On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors are back in action tonight against the Pelicans. 23 games to go for the playoff push, and we're playing everyone's favorite Locked On Raptors parlor game. What's more likely? Vivek Jacob is along. We'll talk about the standings. We'll talk about the Raptors' defense, and we'll talk about the big-picture questions that lay ahead. All coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by OP. Get that garbage out of here. going on welcome to episode number 1347 of lockdown raptors for thursday february the 23rd i'm your host sean woodley i'm covering the toronto raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms you can find all my work over on twitter at woodley sean you can follow subscribe to rate and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps and of course we are on youtube please go hit the big red subscribe button over on the lockdown raptors youtube channel to help support the show we're pushing towards 3,000 subs it would be lovely if we could get there in the next couple of weeks here thanks to all those who have jumped in and joined our little Locked On Raptors family of late and uh, always looking for new submissions. Uh, all right, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, let's get to it. It's everyone's favorite parlor game. What's more likely? And we ask our guest, Vivek Jacob, before we get to the Raptors, what's more likely? What's more likely, Vivek? Are you going to go outside or stay indoors all day with this nastiness outside? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to have no choice come game time. I'm going to have to head Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. The, so. the plight of being a credentialed media member, not my problem this year. <laughs> I get to cuddle up and be a, in the fetal position on the couch all day long. <laughs> I did sk- skip uh, practice yesterday, though. Mm-hmm. I went on Tuesday. And then, yeah, when they said practice was going to be at around 5 p.m., I was like, you know what? I'm going to stay home. That's dinner time. Can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> my, it's my, it's where, where my appetite really kicks in. Uh, I guess that's kind of an early bird dinner time. It's like the Swiss Chalet golden hour. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Swiss Chalet, sponsor the podcast, would you? <laughs> All right. Let's get to it, Big V. Uh, we're playing What's More Likely today, everyone's favorite parlor game that we play here on the show. It's pretty simple. I give two equally probably unlikely situations. We got to determine what the most likely of the two to come to fruition is over the next 23 games and into the offseason for your Toronto Raptors, who enter action tonight against the Pelicans at 28-31, and 31, 10th in the Eastern Conference, but of course sporting Jakob Pertl, a real live big man to uh, tie it all together. Looked pretty good in that last game before the break. We shall see tonight if that carries over. Let's get into it, shall we? First one, what's more likely? The Toronto Raptors finish with the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference, or they finish 11th or worse? Big V, what say you? Are they going to get to that sixth seed? Fred Van Vliet talked about it yesterday. Four and a half games to go, 23 games to play. They think they can do it. Uh, They might, on paper, be one of the best contenders to get there as it stands right now, with the Nets having their their roster depleted and the Heat having to rely on almost exclusively undrafted weirdos, uh, you know, all on down the line. The Hawks just fired their coach. 
Of course, they are closer to the 11th seed than they are to the 6th seed right now, so that one's in play as well. What do you got here? What's more likely, the 6th seed or 11th or lower, Big V? I think 11th or lower is more likely. Okay. The Raptors, okay. Uh, you know, Kirtika tweeted this out last night that the Raptors have the third most difficult strength of schedule uh, mm-hmm. remaining. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think when you look at the games coming up, when uh, you look at how much they'd have to catch up to get to a New York or a Brooklyn, I think 11th is more likely. I mean, mm-hmm. the likeliest scenario is that they finish, you know, 8th, ninth, 10th, somewhere in there. That's but... the point of the game, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but choosing between 6 and 11, I'll go 11 or lower. Interesting. I think... I am going to say the sixth seed is more likely. Again, I don't also don't think it's terribly likely that they get there. Maybe it's like a 15 percentile outcome, but I kind of think they're like preordained to get into the play-in right now. I don't really see them dropping back. The Bulls stink. The Raptors have a couple of games on them in the loss column, and you know I don't think Patrick Beverly is changing their life in any sort of notable way. To close the season. And while the Raptors have a difficult schedule on paper, I always struggle with this because, like, you get to the back part of the season and how much are the teams you're playing caring? The final week of the season, they play Boston, then Boston, then Milwaukee. It's possible the one seed is still up for grabs and those teams are duking it out with the Raptors being the team that is sort of determining who's going to be the one seed as those teams maybe go down to the wire. But I think it's just as likely that it's solved by that final week and you're not seeing Milwaukee play their best guys in that final game on Sunday. You're not seeing Boston go full out for those last games in in that last week. And then they have a lot of... They play a lot of good teams, but they also play a lot of really stinky teams. Like, they play Charlotte twice more. They have Washington a couple times still on the schedule. I know Washington is technically ahead of them in the standings right now, but if you don't think the Raptors with Jakob Pertl are a more talented and better team than what the Wizards are, then uh, I, I I don't really get it. Um, you know, they got I mean, Detroit a couple times. I mean, problem for Toronto all season, right? Yeah, that's true. Not what and I just... Up. Yeah, and I guess my thinking in sixth being more likely here is just a belief that Jakob Pertl does, in fact, fix a lot of the problems that have been ongoing all year. And we've seen in a very short amount of time that he does, in fact, address a lot of those problems. And the team has a chance to make a lot more sense around him. What to you, Big V, is like the biggest obstacle to overcome in terms of the Raptors getting this thing on the rails to the point where they can track down that six seed? Like, is there, uh, you know, a potential flaw in their rotations that they're going to be rolling out here? Is it like the chemistry side of things, maybe having this thing all come undone? Is it just the mere fact that they have a bunch of teams to jump? Is there another team in front of them that you think is maybe a little bit more potent right now? Are the Hawks going to go on a post Nate McMillan bump run? Uh, what to you is like the biggest inhibitor of the Raptors tracking down that six seed? Uh, their overall lack of consistency this season. I think mm-hmm. every time you've thought, oh, they've won a couple games here. Maybe they can get on a roll. Oh, this was a big win in New York where Pascal dropped 52. Maybe this will be the turning point. Every single time there's been an opportunity to look and say, hey, they've turned a corner here. Mm-hmm. They've had this, you know, disparaging, disappointing, uh, crippling loss that, you know, takes them back off the rails again. So mm-hmm. uh, until I see them win like five, six in a row, I'm going to struggle to believe that they can actually catch up with somebody, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let alone like actually, you know, look like they could do some damage in the playoffs. So I think 
that's the part where I struggle to see them being anything more than an eight, nine, ten seed. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, so that's why choosing between six and eleven, I'll go eleven. Yeah, that makes sense. I honestly think the biggest obstacle here is just the fact that the teams they play left on the schedule are not the teams in front of them. Obviously, they have Washington three times, so that's helpful, but they don't play Atlanta again. They don't play the Knicks again. They don't play the Nets again. They have just one game left against Miami. And so when you're not getting those sort of two games in one type results against those teams, you're you're really kind of looking for help elsewhere. And look, they might get it. I don't think the Heat are like any sort of bear of a team right now. They're pretty uh, thin and relying on a lot of dudes who are just maybe not all that reliable. Uh, you know, the Knicks, I think, are just pr- like a pretty fine run-of-the-mill average good team. Um, and, and, you know, I but people know my thoughts on the Hawks. I think the Hawks are giant frauds. Uh, and so, um, you know, I don't think it's like a murderer's row of teams they're trying to track down, but only 23 games not having the benefit of picking up extra ground in those games against those opponents, I do think think that's probably going to come back and hurt them in their pursuit for the sixth seed but i do think seventh eighth that should be the goal at the very least and, and i think that's totally reasonable does that set you up for a first round matchup with the bucks or celtics yes but again the play-in has value and getting playoff reps against very good teams also has value so you can see what you got to do to not be the the, the doormat of the eastern conference uh, I, I suppose and just get a port in the play-in baby that's the dream that would be, I think, very fun. Everyone would have a very good time. I'm promising you. Um, yeah, just last one here. Like, if you had to predict a record, six, uh, I think, uh, what is it? 28 and 31. They got 23 games left. What would you just ballpark if you had to just go to your head? You get to pick a record that the Raptors finish with, and you have to be right. Otherwise, they maybe it's not good to your head, but they uh, take away your subscription to watch cricket. <laughs> 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 I, I am currently watching the India Australia uh, Women's World Cup semifinal. Mm-hmm. Um, India is down bad, but we don't need to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> I will go with you know like forty-two and forty, maybe forty-three and thirty-nine. Mm-hmm. So that's fourteen and nine at, at sort of a top-out record. Yeah, I think yeah. that is pretty reasonable. I think they're finishing over five hundred, man. I really do. I. Uh... Maybe I'm too Jakob Pertle pilled. I'm Jakob pilled, but uh, Jakob pildled? I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, but, no, but this is where, like, if you're going to get that six seed, you're probably looking at, like, 46 plus. Yeah, right? like, you're going to have to, I think 16 and 7 is the number for me. Like, if you can get to 44 wins, that might get you in there. Um you know, it's going to be tough. You got a lot of ground to make up. The Nets had a bunch of wins bang from when they had Kevin, Kevin Durant on their team. It's very, uh, very valuable wins at this point. But yeah, I think uh, the six still feels more likely than 11th. Dropping back, the Bulls are just not good and are really depressing in a way that makes the Raptors plight seem like nothing. Uh, and so that Bev is coming for you. Yeah, Pat Bev sure is coming. Uh, not in the slightest worried about that. No one, uh, remember, no hmm. one cares more about the play-in than Pat Bev. This is true. He is play-in royalty. I just he'll probably <laughs> track down the Wizards instead. Who I know, uh, you know, everyone's all happy about Bradley Beal of late and Chris Stapps Porzingis, but that team stinks. Said the man covering the team. It's one spot behind them in the standings. Uh, we're gonna continue on here. 
get into our second what's more likely of the day. Before we do that, however, we got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And the midway point of the NBA season is here, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three-pointers drained. And you can even combine your bets for the bet- a chance to win an even bigger payout with the same game parlay. That's a ton of fun. Maybe you're watching the Raptors tonight. Maybe you're like me. I don't tend to really partake all that often when it comes to sports betting but when I do it's because I'm at the game and I want to get the in-person experience and you know beef up the in-person experience a little bit and uh, FanDuel can be a great way to do that I was at a Raptors game with my cousin just a couple of weeks ago and he won same game parlay with a Scotty Barnes late game steal that put him over his number that's very exciting stuff go check out FanDuel right now don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with FanDuel official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, we continue on here as Vivek Jacob goes full Kermit the Frog with that water bottle uh, <laughs> coming out of the break. Uh, let's get to our second what's more likely of the day, shall we? This one, what's more likely, Big V? The Raptors' defense is top 10 from here to the end of the season, or the Raptors' offense is bottom 10 from here to the end of the season. Just some context, the Raptors' offense on the season per NBA.com is 11th in the NBA at a 114.6 offensive rating. They are 1.8 points shy of being in the bottom 10 of the NBA as it stands right now. The defense, 17th in the NBA right now at 113.8 defensive rating. That puts them, uh, just quick math on the fly here, uh, 1.2 points out of the top 10 on the season. So it's very clustered in this middle part of the uh, of the offensive and defensive ranking charts. And very small sample. Anything can kind of be skewed. One or two big games one way or the other uh, can certainly alter these numbers. But I'm curious, Big V, what do you think is more likely? A top 10 defense from here on out or the offense regressing back with perhaps a little bit less spacing with a non-shooting center in the middle of the floor and maybe a rearing of the three-point issues that have dogged this team for a long time? I think that's probably the formula for this to be a bottom 10 offense. What say you? What is the more likely of these two outcomes? I'm going to have to just buy into the defense. Yeah. Uh, just because the offense has, you know, statistically been good, even though mm-hmm. I don't think the eye test matches what we've seen uh, in terms of, you know, the rating per 100% possessions. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if this was a question of just the half court offense, I might have a different answer for you. But Sure. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I think defensively, when you look at the health coming back for this team, especially OG Ananobi um, and him not having to, uh, you know, defend centers anymore, Scotty mm-hmm. not having to defend centers anymore, uh, the pressure that kind of takes off. I think uh, I will go with the defense. Yeah, I think uh, this one's honestly kind of easy. I, I think a top 10 defense is very much on the table for this team with Jakob Pertl in tow. I know it's been a nightmare all season long. I know the defensive scheme has been 
too aggressive and too reckless and leaves them too exposed on the back end far too often. But that mostly took place in a world where Jakob Pertl was not on the Toronto Raptors. And I think what he's going to bring now that, you know, they've had the all-star breaks and practice time to in- incorporate a little bit more stuff, perhaps diversify the ways they can use him, use him in drop, bring him up to the level of the screen, whatever it is. Like he can do all of that. He's better in drop for sure. But he showed in his first few games with the Raptors back in, you know, stint number two here that he is able to, you know, you know, meander out a little further out to the perimeter. It's not always going to be great, but the things he does are still so valuable. Even if they're using him in in sort of like a, a less than ideal fashion, he's still going to clean up so many of the messes the Raptors create with their defense that I think they have a shot at being a very good defensive unit, especially now. You have potentially Gary Trent Jr. moving to the bench. I think that's sort of the consensus idea here is Fred, OG, Scotty, Pascal, Yak will be the starting five. And that takes away one of your weak links when it comes to perimeter defense in Gary Trent Jr. It obviously you incorporate OG in there and he has the back line defense of a Yak Pertle, the help rim protection of Pascal Siakam. And I know Scotty Barnes and Fred Van Vliet have had their issues on the perimeter this season, but I do think Yaka Pirtle being there to kind of make it so those mistakes are less glaring and less damaging when they do happen. I think it will do a really good job of tying this whole thing together. And, you know, maybe again, I'm just too Yaka Pirtle pilled and I'm just looking at a couple of games against not very good competition and saying, look, he fixed everything. Everything's good now, but on paper, logically thinking about it, this has been a team that has performed above its, you know, sort of eye test. It's had good numbers or sort of decent to average underlying metrics all season long. It stands to reason that you address the one big glaring issue that everyone agrees was the biggest glaring issue on the team, and it could really help sort out a lot of the problems. And I think the trickle-down effects of Jakob Pertl are going to be pretty substantial. What's your read on the offense right now? Um, you know, I, I think we're both pretty bullish on it not falling into the bottom 10 over the final 23 games here just because they have had pretty good results so far this year. They do a good job of the margins. Obviously, the offensive rebounding of late has been pretty aggressive. They, um, you know, we know when they like to run, they're, they're, they're really good when they get out in transition. What is your read on the offense and sort of how Jakob Pertl ties it all together? I, I have, you know, I think there's enough going on where, yes, the spacing might be a little bit cramped, but they have enough, like, intelligent basketball players to make it work. What are your thoughts on their ability to maneuver around the lack of shooting, especially in that Pascal, Scotty, Jakob Pertl front court? Yeah, I've been encouraged by what I've seen. I think what Jakob provides as a screener and as a playmaker has mm-hmm. been very valuable to this team. I think the offense is definitely going to be better than mm-hmm. it has been. Uh, the half-court offense is going to be better than it has been up to this point in this season. I still have questions with regard to um, like the big picture and like having you know a Jakob, Scotty, Pascal front court having an offense that's good enough to one day win a championship like be Mm -hmm. or at least you know be a legitimate contender Mm -hmm. but i do have enough confidence in this group to uh be better than what they've been up to this point this season yeah for sure and you know, I, I think Pascal Siakam bombing threes away the way he had just before the All-Star break. Pretty valuable, obviously, in making this all work. Scotty's been more eager to put them up, if not more accurate. Um, and I just, I think Jakob Pertl as this sort of 
dude off of whom you can kind of plan a lot of your offensive actions and have his screening really open up a lot of space for guys to get a little bit more downhill. Um, his playmaking, obviously, we haven't really seen him run a ton from the elbows. I like the idea of like running two-man games with him and Fred Van Vliet or Gary Trent Jr. coming around screens and coming down those handoffs. Like I, I, I think there is a lot of different stuff they can kind of explore with Yak's passing to you know, alleviate the concern of having three non-great shooters across the front court. He's so good at making space when there is no space, you know, navigating, seeping into the right pockets where he's able to be an outlet and offer, you know, a cleaner laneway to the basket or, or whatever for the guys who are driving. Uh, I also think just the existence of pick and roll with this team. We saw in that last game, especially before the all-star break with the magic, you know, that Fred yak pick and roll combination. That's real. Like that's a thing. Fred has not had an actual big man target to throw to his entire career with the Raptors. It seems, um, yak the best rolling big man. The Raptors have had probably since Jonas Valanciunas like that. That's notable. And so I, I think just adding those sort of like pet plays where you can get to easy offense and know exactly sort of the flow of possessions. There's not this standing around like wondering who's initiating. It's going to flow through one of Fred, Pascal, or Scotty. Yak's going to be involved a lot of the time. I think that's going to give the offense a lot of direction and allow them to perform pretty well. Do you think there's a world in which they finish top 10 in both offense and defense between now and the end of the season? Um, yes. I think so. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that ceiling, that theoretical ceiling has always been there for this team. <laughs> yeah, I've said it all along. There's a good team in here somewhere, and yeah. perhaps you just needed Jakob Pertl to dig it up. <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean, I, I think on the balance of play, I don't think that, that'll be how it shakes out. I think, mm-hmm. you know, th- defensively, there's been too many lapses. And again, when going back to the point about consistency, mm-hmm. that's where it all starts, right? Are you yeah. consistent in your defensive habits? And that's where um, I don't think they'll have enough to be a top 10 defense, but mm-hmm. I could see them getting up to at least league average, which would be also an improvement. And certainly, yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, uh, you know, at least help finish the season on a high note. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I maybe am like convinced that the idea that Yaka Pertle's arrival can also help with sort of like the, the lingering tensions and, bad feelings that seem to be hanging over the team. Maybe that's also completely naive. I'm choosing to believe you add a center and it's kind of like energizing everybody because they're playing regular, normal basketball that they recognize again. Um, and, you know, truthfully, the, the the vibes around the team did seem tangibly better those last few games before the All-Star break. We'll see if that carries through as they get healthy. Um, and speaking of getting healthy, one of the guys set to return, Gary Trent Jr. will be one of the topics of conversation in what's more likely scenario number three. It's coming up on the other side. We'll get into the big picture off-season questions and how the next 23 games will determine them. It's coming up in just one sec. Before that, just got to tell you, though, go check out Locked on Leafs, your favorite Toronto Maple Leafs podcast every single day on your favorite podcast apps. It's free. It's wonderful. Mike DiStefano, Dave Morissuti, their reaction episode to Ryan O'Reilly being acquired by the Leafs over the weekend was fantastic. And the Leafs are making a run towards that... uh, elusive first round series victory go check out locked on leaves as they document it all the way up to the playoffs and beyond on your favorite podcast apps and on youtube all right big v let's uh round this bad boy out shall we the final what's more likely scenario what's more likely all three of yakka Pertle, fred van vliet and gary trent jr return to the raptors next season or only one of them does i think the consensus idea here is that probably two of them coming back 
with one of Gary or Fred being featured in a sign-and-trade in the offseason is the most likely outcome here. But I'm curious what you think. All three of Yak, Fred, or Gary, and Gary returning versus just one of them returning, who would presumably, you would think, be Yak a Pirtle of that trio, considering they just traded a first-round pick to get him. Um, what uh, are you thinking on this one? What is the more likely outcome? I will probably go with all three returning mm-hmm. as opposed to just one. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, again, the most likely scenario is two of the three return. So yep. um, that being the case, the, I, th- I think one out of three is pretty unlikely. So I'll mm-hmm. go with all three coming back. Um, I think, you know, they will be cognizant of the fact that they have had uh, players, especially from that championship team, depart without any real return coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, they know that that has generally outside of that window that you look at that those championship players um they've done a very good job with asset management mm-hmm. and you know being able to sign players back and then eventually trade them and i think this is probably an opportunity to get back to those ways and so i will lean towards all three coming back yeah i think the raptors tend to want to keep their guys and i also think there's so much pressure on them not to bungle this offseason that I think bringing all three back is probably more likely than just one. It would be such a cataclysm if only one of those guys comes back. Obviously, there could be sign-in trades and you get stuff back, but sign-in trading both of Fred and Gary is going to be hard. I think that's going to be how they move to other teams just because the teams with cap space all reek. They all stink out loud, and so I I don't think they're going to be the Orlando. Yeah, they only have $21 in cap space, though, and like I don't know that that... I'm sure they can find a way to free up more money. I'm sure they could, but I, I also don't like. Is is Fred really going to like Orlando? Really? Like, I mean, really? why is that a really though? Like, Paolo because Bicaro, this is a Hans team that Wagner, uh, like... only likes long, tall weirdos. Has Markel Fultz, who's playing really good basketball. Yeah, like it just seems like a weird move for a team that's super young, early in their timeline, who's so going to have to pay guys thing, very soon. Not a Fred thing. I guess, yeah. I, I, it just it doesn't check out or it, like match up to me as like a reasonable landing spot. Period. Really, especially if they only have twenty one million cap space right now. Which again, yes, they can clear more, but uh, I just it kind of feels like it's uh, an imperfect fit. And I would guess Fred is more likely to return to the Raptors than anything else, or go to the Suns or whatever is their Chris Paul replacement long term. Um, but that's another question for another day. For me. I think because OG is kind of lingering out there as like a potential guy that you trade at the draft, depending on how these next 23 games go, it could also be that the next 23 games kind of make us all remember, oh yeah, OG's really important. He should be part of the team forever. Uh, And this changes the conversation. I actually, however, think as much as OG's tied up in this question, I think Scotty Barnes is secretly tied up in this question as well. And it's because of his proclivities to play point guard. That's the position he came out of college branding himself as. He clearly wants to do it. He loves to pass. He loves to have the ball in his hands. And he's really good at it when he decides he wants to be. He's obviously got some limitations as a lead ball handler. He's not much of a shooter. That's going to come back and hurt him unless he can improve upon that. But I'm curious, Big V, like if we get a look, say, at Scotty running the point on second units as sort of the nominal backup point guard here down the stretch and the Raptors see enough 
Do you think they would want to go into next season with Scotty Barnes just as the starting point guard? I personally think that would be a terrible idea, uh, putting way too much in a guy way too soon and discrediting the very valuable skills that Fred VanVleet brings to the table. But I'm curious what you think. If you know, Scotty shows out those ball-handling chops down the stretch here, does that give them the leeway to say, you know what? Maybe this whole everyone on the floor is tall thing can be taken to a further extreme, and our point guard just is Scotty Barnes going into next season. What say you? Yeah, I think the Raptors' most likely play is to keep things fluid on the offensive front, where mm-hmm. I think they like the idea of Pascal gets his reps, Scotty gets his reps, mm-hmm. Fred gets his reps, and you mm-hmm. just sort of mix and match depending on the matchups and the flow of the game and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and or, or if Scotty's got great matchups down low, you know, you just want to get him the ball in the post. That that type of stuff it can change. So I think they lean more towards that than having a de facto. This is our guy who's like bringing it up the floor all the time. Sure, sure. But I mean, like, I, I guess this is me trying to frame. And the I don't think he's as, there in terms you know, of running the half court offense yet either. No, that's why I think it would be a terrible idea to like cast Fred aside in order to make Scotty the the point guard who was promised straight away. Yeah. Um, as much as I like, like in theory, the concept of a starting lineup of Scotty as your point guard with OG, Gary, Pascal, and Yak, like that, I mean, we're going to see that lineup, I'm sure, down the stretch here. I'm sure we'll get a look at it and see what it looks like. Um, and there's like enough shooting there. I think you can probably make it work. You know, not, not any shooting in your core pick and roll combination if Scotty Pirtle is that, but, um, you know, you have enough shooting and sort of cutting and off ball movement around them to maybe make it work. I just, I, I guess let me ask you this. If you gave the Raptors truth serum, would they prefer to have Scotty Barnes be their long-term point guard and just have that be the answer? Yeah, I mean, I think the issue with that question is they are having to recognize reality regardless mm-hmm. of what they want their truth to be. Yeah. Right? And yep. it's like, yeah, they might want their truth to be five guys who look like OG and Pascal on the court at all times. Mm-hmm. But the reality is showing them that that can't be the case. And that's why they had to go out and get Jakob Bertel. And mm-hmm. so um, I think they are, you, you know, coming around to, you know, having these different skill sets, having these different body types, having these different uh, options on the court, which, you know. Versatility? What? <laughs> <laughs> which is what they had when they won the championship and had mm-hmm. success before that. And uh, even after that in that follow-up season. So mm-hmm. um, I think their truth is aligning more with, you know, what is tradition now in the NBA because it's been so long with the three ball and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I do think that if you were to give them the truth serum, they probably would say that, you know, they kind of just like different options at the point as opposed to just like mm-hmm. Scotty full-time. Yeah. No, I I just I think the most important thing here is that they can't devalue what Fred does in the pursuit of, you know, trying to elevate Scotty to where he probably will get at some point down the line. Um, Well, if there's one thing we know about the Raptors front office is that they don't devalue their own players. (laughs) This is true. This is very true. Uh, (laughs) So perhaps some solace to be found there for those a little worried. Lastly, like, where do you think OG factors into this conversation? Obviously, like if he is in the long term plans, 
that's likely going to be the reason one of these guys gets squeezed out. Uh, you know, again, I said yesterday, I'd be, I'd love to be proven wrong in my assertion that the Raptors should have moved OG at the deadline. Uh, I'd love for that to be wrong because I love OG and I think he's awesome. Um, I just, you know, the, the fit concerns and the offensive overlap and the, you know, the, just he, him being kind of overqualified for the role the Raptors need him to play is what's kind of hanging over this. But thoughts on how OG factors into the answer of this question as to who ends up coming back of the three pending UFAs. Yeah, I think uh, an OG trade in the summer is definitely in play, which is part of why I can see all three coming back. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of rejig the pieces around those guys. And I think that if you're talking to, say, Gary coming off the bench for the remainder of the season, Mm -hmm. I think part of the conversation might be that, hey, we see you as a potential starter once again Mm -hmm. next season. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... You know, is it an OG deal that brings you a stable rotation piece, you know, off the bench plus a couple picks Mm -hmm. and now you align your salaries better going forward? Uh, You know, that might be the move that that allows you to bring all three back. And now you're saying, okay, we're kind of back on track in terms of where we want to be going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, you mentioned Gary Trent Jr. And and, man, I. I'm really excited to watch him play with Yak sort of longer term and just like around the Yak, Pascal, Scotty trio, right? Like, I, I just feel like he's a perfect dude to slot in along those guys. I know he's not going to start or I don't think he should start necessarily, but I still think he's going to play heavy minutes. I would imagine he's going to get like 30 minutes a night. I hope he does. He, he's, he's warranted it the way he's bought in and the way he's played this season. Um, and just like him as the catch and shoot guy working off of those three very good playmaking and you know ball handling bigs and forwards like that's fun to me I, I think he's got a real chance to shine in, in whatever role he occupies here whether it's running with bench guys whether it's sprinkling in as a starter um or, or a guy to close games alongside starter heavy looks uh he's fascinating and if gary Trent jr really does show up maybe that does kind of inform the og thing as well it's uh it's a fun, like, look, I know everyone's mad <laughs> and like, what well, playing for what and all this. They traded a first round pick. First of all, I looked yesterday at Jonathan Gavoni's mock draft for 2024. The names in that draft, bad sports names. You don't want a part of any of those names anyway. <laughs> Kobe Bufkin? That's not a real guy. What are we talking about here? Um, so not worried about that. Uh, the 2024 pick, just screw it. I don't care. Send yeah. to the sun for all I we, care. We're but, officially in the, you know, when you'd play NBA 2K in GM mode for too yep, long. And then you yep. get to like your 2030 and it's like, what are these names? Yeah, DJ Wagner, uh, Kwame Evans is like got to be the most made up in year 10 of an NBA 2K franchise name of all time. Um, Yeah, not worried about those guys. Uh, Of course, sports names are 90% of whether an athlete's going to be good or not. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, the point is, I I know everyone's mad and angry and like confused about the direction of the team. I think the basketball in the final 23 games is kind of going to be a hoot and watching Yak play with these guys guys is going to be fun and there's a, a certain joy i think in the uncertainty of the puzzle and w- how it all comes together i find that interesting as someone who's covered a team that's been kind of boring to a fault because they've just been so bloody competent for most of their last 10 years it's kind of nice to have a little uncertainty and i think the good basketball will help us inform that uncertainty make it a little clearer as to what the direction is going to be and ultimately 
They still have Scotty Barnes. They still have Pascal Siakam. They still have, I think, the the stuff in place to set themselves up for a pretty good run of success here in the coming years, even though this year has been a bummer. I'm excited for the stretch run. Big V, are you excited for the stretch run? Let's go! Yeah! I am! Yeah, Hell man, yeah! Let's, <laughs> let's do it! Uh, anything you want to promote for the good people out there before we wrap the show? Usual stuff, raptors.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Hell yeah. Uh, I am on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the show for free on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. It's always appreciated when you do that. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked on NBA Game to Game. It is the nightly recap of all the games featuring the local hosts. Yours truly also involved in that whenever the Raptors are playing a game. It's a great way to catch up on all the games you might have missed the night before as games get back in action tonight. Locked on NBA Game to Game on the Locked on NBA YouTube channel. Go, go check it out. We'll be back again tomorrow with Jamar Hines to break down Raptors Pelicans. And then I will be jet setting off to Detroit and Cleveland for the weekend games. That should be a ton of fun as well. We're around it there. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.